find out if you're ready for love. Here's your marvelous host, Nikki Lee. Hello and welcome to Ready for Love Radio. This is your host and love coach, Nikki Lee. Today we are going to talk about a couple of different things, but we are basically going to talk to author C.J. Grace. And we're going to talk about her, I, I, like, I like the title of this book. It's Adulterer's Wife, How to Thrive Whether You Stay or Not. CJ, it's great to have you with me today. Thank you so much for having me on Ready to Love. Ready for love. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I work with either one. I can work with that. <laughs> so, you know, I, I like the title of that book, and I, and I like the fact that you don't just Assume that, that if there's infidelity in a relationship, the person has to leave. Because it seems like too many people just assume that you, you have to do that. You know, there, there can be, you know, the, the relationship can go on. So I like the, the fact that you say, you know, whether you stay or not. So I, I like that we're going to do that. We're going to discuss both options. So why did you decide to write a book about this? Let's, let's start with that. I didn't actually intend to write a book at all. I'm a BBC journalist and uh, I was um, involved in a company with my ex-husband and I found out about his infidelity. So there I learned about the subject pretty viscerally. And I'd always helped him write his books. I'd helped him um, edit and produce those. And we went to a Kindle conference to learn how to put his books in the Kindle format. One of the exercises was to write an outline for a book. And it just came out. I'd only recently found out about his latest mistress. I was completely clueless about his infidelity throughout the marriage. And so that came out as the title of the book to write. In fact, the original subtitle was not um, How to Thrive Whether You Stay or Not. The original subtitle I had for Adulterer's Wife was How to Thrive If You Choose to Stay. Because at that point, I was still trying to get my head around staying in the relationship. But um, I had to write an outline for this um, conference. And it was amazing the response I had. Everybody was really positive. Um, I remember talking to some guys when we were doing this elevator pitch to promote your idea with all the other participants in the conference. And um, one guy in particular looked very sheepish and said to me, oh, I, I think I have some friends who might find that book useful and I thought hmm I think this guy's having an affair <laughs> so you know um, but at that point um, I really did want to stay in the relationship I was trying to get my head around it the difficulty was that my husband refused to give up his mistress and I do believe and I have seen many times that people can work through relationships if the person that's cheated no longer is seeing the mistress or the um, guy or whoever it was that they were cheating with and really wants to work at the relationship. And of course, the person who's been cheated upon has to really work at rebuilding trust and truly forgive them for what they've done. It's a much, much harder road to keep a marriage together if um, there are other people in the relationship, particularly if it's not um, at the choice of both parties. Uh, so in the end, um, 
even though my husband was offering me a part-time marriage position, um, I ended up finding that I just could not stomach that. And uh, particularly after getting breast cancer on top of infidelity, it just showed me that a part-time husband was not going to work for me. You know, I, I didn't really want to be in a situation where she was providing the passion and I could go and do the taxes. No, I don't think that, was, uh, that wasn't going to work. <laughs> A part-time marriage position. That's that's an interesting way to. I've never heard it put quite that way. Yeah, I but mean, it's 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 sort of ironic because it made me think of Big Love. I'm sure you've seen the HBO series um, with uh, Bill Paxton, and and it's sort of ironic because um, uh, he died of the same health problem that you've been battling with too, right? Yeah, I was getting ready to say. Yeah, I'm very familiar with Bill Paxton's story. So yeah. Yeah, but you know, uh, big love was not for me. I'm sorry, <laughs> not not what I signed up for when I originally got married. Well, there's 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 so many so many things to consider on both persons' side when you decide if you're going to stay or not. You know, and and well, and like you said, there's there are other relationship options that you know you you can choose to modify your relationship mm -hmm. if you want to. I mean, if both people decide to do that. Um, An open relationship is fine if both people are 100% consensual. But right. more often than not, it's one person pushing it on the other and the other person is, is going along with it because they don't want to end the relationship. Either right. they don't want to end the relationship or they don't want to end the lifestyle. Um, but, you know... Um, if it isn't truly consensual, it's not a happy situation for the person that doesn't really want it. How can it be? Right. It isn't. Right. Open relationships can, can work very well for people who want that relationship, but if, if it's been being forced on one person because the other person wants it and they don't, that's, you know, that's totally different. But interesting. Well, and, and then facing cancer on top of it, and knowing that you weren't going to have the full support of your husband, you know, yeah, that... Um, that, that just brings it into sharp contrast. <laughs> and it also yeah. shows you that you have an expiration date. So if you're not living the life you want now, when on earth are you going to do it, you know? Um, right. And I realized that um, I, could do, I, could, I could have a better and more fulfilling life. And um, in fact... Uh, I worked out a plan of how to get over it, how to get over the emotional roller coaster that finding out about infidelity puts you on. And mm. um, I, went, I was on it again when I just shortly after found out about the cancer. Um, and that was really necessary. There's stuff that you absolutely have to do to get your mind in the right place to, um, to make good decisions and decide how you want to, how you want to live the rest of your life. That's very, very important. Well, and that's the thing. When you're facing a major health issue, you know, and I mean, I, I had to face two in a very short period of time. You have got to get, you can't have major upheaval in the rest of your life, you know, because you, you've got to face and you've got to deal with what's going on health-wise. And having the support of people in your life is critical. Because I, I dealt with health issues without support the first time, 
and Wiz supports a second time, and it's a world of difference. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. And I mean, I'm uh, the first book that I've already written, uh, that I've already written, Adulterer's Wife: How to Thrive Whether You Stay or Not. That's that's been published, but I have a second book that um, is pretty much complete, but it's not published yet. Hotel Chemo, My Wild Ride Through Breast Cancer and Infidelity. And where that book is different was that so many of the um, cancer memoirs and self-help cancer books that I read were written by people who did have support. Um, one of the best known, I think, is called Had I Known by Joan London, who writes about her breast cancer experience. But she pretty much eulogizes her husband for the amazing support that he gave her. Um, uh, you know, she, she gives him, I think, two pages of, of the dedication at the front saying mm -hmm. how, how much he helped her through. Well, you know, the dedication to my book does not have, a, uh, have two pages to um, eulogize my husband because, you know, I had to do it on my own. And uh, I think a lot of women end up finding that they have to deal with major illness on their own. Uh, sadly, um, there is a, a statistic that shows that it's quite common that men will leave their wives when they go th when the wives go through serious health problems because they just can't hack it. Um, right. But wives tend to be much more likely to stay with their husbands and, and minister them through um, serious health problems. So um, for many, not just me, it can be a double whammy because you you either have no support anyway or you lose the support that you sh thought that you had. Um, and it's so important, it really is so important then to um, have a circle of friends whom you can rely on. I, I developed a, a six-part plan that I use both for getting over the emotional um, upheaval of infidelity and the emotional upheaval of uh, dealing with breast cancer. Um, and if you like, I can go into that. It's to, well, let me, the, let me, the, the, I might as well say it because I think it's going to be helpful for your listeners. Um, the first thing is to find confidants and mentors with your best interests at heart. And, and these can be friends or paid counselors. And I found it really helpful to have at least one of the opposite sex because I got totally different advice from, from him than I did from my female friends. And what you're doing mm. is you're venting your deepest, darkest thoughts in confidence it's all confidential and you know you can call these people as much as you want they're not going to get pissed off with you um, mm -hmm. and they give you good advice they have your best interests at heart that's what you need not the same as friends because it's sort of more than a friend because some of your friends you have to be careful not to overload them because you may find them um, pushing away drawing away from you but the second um, part of the plan was that I was cultivating existing and new connections who are friends of mine rather than people I knew through my spouse because I realized that almost all our circle were his friends or people that we knew through the joint business that we had together which really doesn't help you when you are trying to get over problems with your husband you can't really vent about that to people that you work together with because that's too unprofessional, just doesn't work. Um, so I, I really had to go back and reclaim friends that I had pretty much let go um, once I was married. One really great friend of mine, was in, she was sure I'd done something to offend her because I had not responded to a load of her emails just because I was so busy dealing with the company we had together, with the house, with raising the children, with ministering to my husband, all of that, and that took up 
all of my bandwidth. I was not giving myself bandwidth for, for friends. Um, and the third thing, laughter therapy, especially with a background of Monty Python. I love Monty Python. I tried to hang out with people who made me laugh rather than brought me down. I watched comedies. I refused to go and see depressing dramas. And what was really um, kind of mega for me as a news journalist with the BBC was that I stopped watching the news. I found that that was just too depressing. It's all bad news. They don't report on good things happening. They report on the one bad thing happening in a corner of somewhere, you know. If nothing's going on in, in your area and everybody's quite happy and, and everything's hunky-dory, that's not news. It's boring. So I just had to give up watching the news. It was just bringing me down too much. Um, and then um, the fourth thing was working on loving my body and becoming more beautiful. And I mean sort of internally beautiful there, not being, becoming a supermodel. That's, that's not going to happen. Um, you know, I was making sure I had enough sleep. That's really critical. Eating well, looking after my diet and exercise. And outdoor exercise actually was key to boosting my mood huge going out in nature forcing myself out at least 15 minutes a day out in nature huge difference to how I felt and if there's one thing that I would recommend somebody going through any kind of adversity and having a difficult time and not being able to 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 get over um, feeling down and depressed force yourself to go out for 15 minutes a day in nature and that will make a difference especially if you can go for a walk with a friend uh, it's, it's good um, I think that that was a huge thing for me, being able to do that and banishing the blues. Uh, the fifth thing was finding my passion and becoming more of a hedonist because I realized I was not making the time to do anything that I enjoyed. I was constantly keeping my nose to the grindstone and it's a common story for wives in long-term marriages um, to do that, that you don't pay attention to yourself and you don't do things that you enjoy. And finding your passion, whether it's playing a musical instrument or volunteering for a cause that you really believe in, uh, those are also ways to meet kindred spirits and build your friend circle, build your community. So I think that's super important, very important. And people often say, well, I don't have time. I don't have time for this. I don't have time for that. But, you know, if you're spending half an hour a day watching television, you could spend half an hour a day building your passion. And... Um, I think that would be a much more fulfilling thing to do to make your yourself feel more complete. And the fifth, uh, sorry, the sixth thing that I that I did, um, which was the hardest, was to try and be more mindful. Because when you think about it, the past is gone and the future doesn't exist. But when bad things happen to you, it's so easy to get caught in churning thoughts. Oh, if I only I had done this, then maybe he wouldn't have cheated. And maybe um, if, if he hadn't done that, then, then it wouldn't have happened. And, 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 and why did I make that decision? Because it made things worse. And Well, it's in the past. It doesn't matter. It's gone. Or you're worrying about the future. How am I going to live? Where am I going to live? What am I going to live on? And how am I going to get over this? Will I ever get over this? It's... The, the future is fiction. It doesn't exist. It's just in your imagination. All you have is the now. And if you're not living in the present, you really aren't living. You're just existing. And you're missing all the wonderful things that could be right in front of your nose. So I really had to work at that. And I found that that was also key to getting myself out of that, that awful um, abyss that I felt that I was in. Um, 
In fact, I actually have a, a free PDF that your listeners can have called Overcoming Infidelity, Tools to Tame the Roller Coaster of Negative Emotions. That's available through my website. Um, uh, and the page to get to that is cjauthor.com. That's cjauthor.com. And the thing about that ebook is that it also has a mindfulness exercise in it that uses chocolate. And I actually mm-hmm. um, recorded a video of me doing that that... Um, your listeners can can find on that web page I think I've loaded it on my Instagram but you can access it through that web page and you can follow along with a wrapped piece of chocolate and learn how to become more mindful and maybe it will revolutionize the way you eat chocolate from the future onwards from then onwards so um, <laughs> I found that that was really really important Nikki you know you've just got to um, work at yourself um, become more complete, more creative, more joyful. That's, that was my aim. Um, and I didn't want to have to rely on a partner to feel complete. That, that was really key. When you find that you've got an unfaithful partner and um, he's still being unfaithful throughout you going through um, breast cancer and cancer treatment and chemo and radiation, that really is a, a kick in the pants to, you know, you've you got to look after your own interests yourself. Because if you don't, who will? You've got to do it. You've got to look after your own best interests. Not worry about anybody else, but look after your own best interests. You know, it's interesting that you mentioned about spending time in nature because I had a um, thing that I, I always do on the way to my doctor's appointments because I, I have to actually go over the, the Blue Ridge Mountain Range on the way to my, my doctor's because all my, all my specialists are in um, Albemarle County or in Charlottesville. And there's a beautiful, beautiful overlook on the way over there. So I always try to make sure I have just enough time to, to stop for a few minutes. And so I stop on the way over and get out of the car. And actually, on one of my, um, or a couple of my sites, I've got a picture that I took right there. And I just I just get out and just spend a few minutes just kind of, getting kind of centered and, and give myself a few minutes to just kind of look out at the the, the scenery because it's just beautiful right there. And and just kind of take a few minutes to just kind of just just breathe, you know. That's on, right. On the way over. Yeah, and because to my appointments cuz those those are my appointments for for all the all the big stuff are those appointments. You know, and it it just it just helps. You know, and, and last week I mentioned on the show that about that sometime in the first month of my, my chemo and radiation treatments, I, I realized, I came home and I just, because, you know, after, after treatments you're just exhausted. Mm-hmm. And I came home and I, I laid down and I just realized that I felt completely disconnected from myself and my body. I just... And and I had I had worked so hard at finally feeling connected to me, you know, because I I just hadn't before in my life. And for some reason, the the treatments, and I, you know, when you're going through all that, and you know the the pain, and and you just, you know, how you just feel horrible when you're going through chemo and radiation, and the body's, you know, all of it's it's building. It, it builds and builds and builds as you're getting more of the chemo in your body and more of the radiation and 
and all that and and I'm like okay I I don't really want to feel what I'm going to be feeling as this is starting to build up but I I also don't want to feel disconnected from me you know I I need to be aware of what's going on with my body I need to to you know stay in tune with all that so I've I've got to kick this disconnected feeling you know and it just it was I I knew I'd made serious progress because I did feel that that disconnect you know I felt like I was I was looking at myself from from a disconnected place you know um and and something that when you first started talking about the six-part program that I was thinking is I I first realized in my I guess my late 20s cuz a very close friend of mine was going through breast cancer for the first time she she had it repeatedly unfortunately um yeah I've had it twice but it was yeah. it was it was so bad cuz her her husband just completely disappeared and I I think there's so many things that that people don't realize when they're not supporting their loved ones and and he he didn't only bail from her he bailed from their daughter i mean he disappeared from both of their lives you know so so she was she was fighting cancer and and you know fighting for her life but she was also there supporting their daughter you know and i that's something I see so much in my support group because I even even though I'm I'm not fighting it right now I'm still in there you know trying to help the women that are dealing with it now and trying to figure it out and and all that and you know so I I drop in and, and try to offer the support that I can um, and so many of them are fighting it and trying to figure out their figure their way through this journey that they're making and and they they don't have the support of their partners you know and and they're like you know how how do i do this myself and how do i how do i get my kids through this too you know and and family members and friends and all that need to figure and and remember you know the person going through it and and their kids especially their minor kids really need the support too so just just something to think about because, like I said, it, it comes up day after day after day in the support group that these these women are trying to figure out how to, and and single dads do it too. You know, if they don't have the support of their their significant others, so right. just just the things I wanted to right. mention. And I think, it, yeah, because I think what you have to have in mind, you have to have a, a picture in your mind of how you want to be in the how how imagine your life when you've gone through it when it's all done not think that this is a permanent situation because yeah. there is there is hope after infidelity there is hope after breast cancer um, yeah. I'm proof of that um, and a lot of these women are going to end up being proof of that because it makes adversity does make you stronger you talk about yeah. you can talk about um, post-traumatic stress but from post-traumatic stress you can get post-traumatic growth and if your life is always on an even keel and nothing much is happening, um, there isn't an incentive to make that kind of change. Uh, and sometimes that kind of change is necessary to live your true authentic life in a way. Um, I learned how to become 
more complete, creative, and joyful in my own right with or without a partner. And if you are looking for love, you want to have a relationship where that person isn't necessary for, to, for you to feel complete because that's a yes. very needy form of a relationship and you're not going to attract in the best kind of relationship that would suit you, suit you uh, that way. Um, a relationship that's um, attracted out of neediness is never going to be as good as one that's um, for, an, for equal partners, for, for partners that, that feel complete in themselves but also um, believe that um, the partner is adding to them. It's like an addition, a complement to, to what they have, not something right. that they absolutely desperately need. And that's why there's often problems with rebound relationships and, and those kinds of things. Um, and so I, I really worked at that, of trying to become more complete and trying to work at never again, because never again would I want to be the appendage of somebody else, because that was very much the situation oh. I was in with my with my husband. Because he was, I was his, you know, I helped him in his business. I really believed in what he was doing. He was, ve he's uh, worked very hard at his um, at what he was doing. He was very good. He helped a lot of people. All of that stuff. Um, absolutely great, but he obviously had shortcomings as a husband, um, at right. least to my mind, because I was not really a fan of infidelity. Um, but I, I did not nurture myself. I didn't do anything that was really creative in my own right when I was in the marriage. Um, and once I finished with the marriage, once I was separate, I started having incredible creativity. It was like... Um, something that, that had been dormant for the 30 years of marriage was unleashed. It was, it was amazing. And everybody right. has that inside them. Everybody has something that they can get passionate about, something that they can be good at, something that they, they really love. And um, adversity in some ways is a trigger to make you find that um, and, and work towards doing that. And that opens you up to having new love, new relationships, new friendships, and deepening the friendships that you already have. That's so critical because um, I think so many of us sort of go through life asleep, <laughs> really, um, asleep and on autopilot. And it doesn't have to be that way. It really doesn't. Well, I mean, adversity and, and this kind of thing really does help us to grow. And it, and it pushes us to better ourselves. You know, there's there's so many parts of me that there there are some there are some people in my life that are very unhappy with the person I've become, and the thing that makes me just just cracks me up is the way they've treated me actually has prompted the reactions that have created the person I am right now. And I'm like, okay, you don't like me, but you've created her. You know, so much of what you've done and how you treated me created this person. So you've only got yourself to blame, you know. So, you know, but I mean, you, you can actually become so comfortable in your life that it stagnates. You know, and you, you get stuck in this rut and don't realize it but you just you become comfortable there you know so you know the thing is do do you push yourself outside of your comfort zone and push yourself to become 
more or do more or venture outside of this where you're comfortable to become more, you know, to either learn more or do more or try more or anything like that, you know. So it, it just, you know, and some sometimes it takes health something or whatever. And the thing is, sometimes people just get to the point where they become unhappy with what's going on but do nothing about it. You know, so it's 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 interesting how how life yeah. does things. Like I mean, I, maybe that's the first stage, and you have to beyond go beyond feeling unhappy with your circumstances to thinking about ways to move your life forward to what you really want to do. And I'm not talking about giving up your day job. You know, if you've always wanted to be a banjo player and thinking that you can make a living as a banjo player or something like that, but you know, it, it's about making the time to grow, making the time to do things that that make you feel truly alive. Um, that's absolutely you critical. You could have stayed in the situation and you would have been unhappy. Yep, that's right. Right. And the interesting thing is that had my husband given up this latest, the, the final girlfriend, I would have stayed in the relationship. I very much was um, pathologically monogamous. I also felt that you know relationships were always a compromise, and people got divorced because they were they had expectations that were unreasonable and that they didn't they weren't trying enough and um, you know you can always work it out, etc., etc., etc. And then um, if I had stayed compared to the way I am now, I realized that that would have been an absolute mistake. It really would have been a mistake because I would never have grown to be the person that I am now and I would never have been truly happy because, as I said earlier, I, I was very much an appendage of my, of my husband. I wasn't really complete in my own right. Um, and I wasn't. I didn't have the bandwidth, as I said, to build a circle of friends, to to do things I enjoyed, to even know what I enjoyed, to even know how to be creative and know what I enjoyed um, creating. I didn't really know. Um, and so, in that in that case, yeah. I mean, I I, I definitely. Um, would say that that you shouldn't always stay with an unfaithful partner even if they do give up the the person um, that they were having an affair with because sometimes an affair is as much a symptom as a cause of a, a problem in a relationship sometimes what it means is that in in some ways um, you aren't really suited to each other right and if you're not really suited to each <laughs> other life's short um, do something with with yourself that makes you either attract somebody that you are suited for or makes you know 100% that you want to be, you know, some people just want to live a solo life and don't want to be have the baggage of a relationship afterwards. There are a lot of people who are quite fine being single. Um, so uh, it, it just depends on what kind of person you are. Right. Well, that's like, I, I like having a person in my life in a relationship, but I don't want to be married. I have no desire mm. to be. Yeah. You know, have, you have, know. You been, have you been married, though? No. No. Yeah. And I'm, I'm fine with that. So yeah, you have a lot more freedom. <laughs> there's, there's no doubt about all, that. Well, and it, it gives me the time to pursue the things that I feel are 
the purpose in my life and that I'm the most passionate about and give me the, that I, I feel that you're making a difference, basically. Yeah. You've got, you've got the yeah. time to actually um, have a cause, so to speak, that, yeah. that, that is helping people. Well, and, and I've got several things that I just, I feel, well, that's, that's just like even, even the dissection. I mean, statistically, I should not be alive right now, you know. So there's, there's several things that I feel very committed to doing and helping to get the word out about because um, I feel that there is a reason I survived and I spend time not getting paid for it, but time doing a couple things that I just really feel I need to do to help people, you know, and I, I have the time and well, I, I, I make the time. Let's put it that way. Yeah, and, and if you were probably, if you were in a, a, a marriage and raising children and all of that kind of stuff, then that does I, take your time it. and energy and those kinds of things don't happen. And that's why yeah. throughout history, I think, um, the men would be the movers and shakers rather than the women because the women were very much taken up with uh, providing the infrastructure for those men and, and uh, raising the children. And there was yeah. a limited amount of, of time and energy that was left to do anything beyond that. Uh, yeah, so, so, yeah, I mean, I think that that's it's so true what you're saying there, Nikki. Absolutely. Yeah, very true. So, um, why there's there's a million possible answers to this next question, <laughs> but but just from your perspective, why do you think that infidelity happens? Well, there are many reasons, as you said. Uh, one yep. reason why it's happening more than ever is uh, longevity, because the older you are, uh, the longer you live, the more opportunity you have to be unfaithful. And now that we have ED drugs. Um, guys can keep bonking until they kick the bucket. In the past, <laughs> that wasn't the case. Now it is. Um, and that's, that's also led to a lot of infidelity. Um, infidelity also happens because there is a huge um, incidence of celibate marriage. So many long-term marriages turn celibate for various reasons. Uh, sometimes it's um, that the, the woman goes off sex that happens sometimes after intercourse, for instance, especially if they've had scarring and damage from the um, delivery of the baby. Uh, that actually happened to me, and uh, I didn't know. F it took me a couple of decades um, to find out that that could be fi fixed. I was having pain from intercourse, and I um, finally heard that there were things people called pelvic floor therapists. They were freaking miracle workers. Let me tell you, I found a great one and she got rid of all my scar tissue and sex became so much better after that because I was not having to deal with, with the scarring um, that I had from my second child. You know, I love him dearly, but I didn't enjoy the, the scarring from the, from the birth. But I didn't even realize that it was fixable. And some women just go off sex completely because of that. Um, and because they're also, their energy and their effort and their um, time is taken up with looking after the children, that they don't really have the energy left for, you know, having the great sex that they were having before they were um, married, when they were just in the courtship stage with their 
now husband. So that's a, that's a common thing. Um, also, medications make people go off sex. Um, there was a, a, a story I heard of a great um, friend of mine. She was um, married to a guy that was having problems with depression. They put him on some medication. The medication killed his libido and gave him uh, ED. So he was completely non-functional sexually as a result. She really would have loved to have continued a sex life with him, but ended up having affairs just to be able to have a sex life. So um, people don't talk about these things, that the whole story of a celibate marriage is, is very much kept under wraps. But the more I spoke to people, because I interviewed a lot of people for my book, Adulterer's Wife, How to Thrive Whether You Stay or Not, um, the, the more I found that celibate marriage was pretty common. Um, and it's pretty common that people sink into celibacy. Uh, I remember one person who I was at university with who was one of the most, um, uh, she was pretty promiscuous. She really enjoyed sex and she was great, you know, had a great mm -hmm. personality. But um, in her marriage, she ended up becoming celibate after she had her children. Uh, she said, oh, I just can't be bothered. I'm not interested in that anymore. I don't want that. Uh, oh, you know, if he wants to have sex with somebody else, I just don't want to hear about it. But I, I, I'm not interested. So what do you do? If you ain't getting fed at home, you're going to go for a takeout. So that's another reason why uh, infidelity happens. And then it also happens because some guys are just, that's just their way. Uh, a great quote that I got from, from my um, ex-husband, he said, well, if you're not monogamous by nature, being monogamous is a prison. Okay, but you know, then it needs to be consensual that that's the rules of the game. But some people, um, particularly guys, um, just like to have sex with other people. And also, it's exciting, it's new, there's no baggage. And when you think about it, um, in some ways, your sex life changes as soon as you have the wedding vows as soon as you've got a house together as soon as you've raised as you're raising children because in the bedroom rather than it being a source of passion there you are talking about oh gosh what are we going to do about that tax demand and oh yeah and and, and there's uh, it's got to, we've got to have repairs on the roof can we afford that and how are we going to deal with with um with jimmy's problem at school you know uh, and that's a passion killer you talk about yeah. that kind of stuff and obviously when you have an affair with somebody there's no baggage. You don't have to talk about that kind of stuff. But that's because yeah. it's an, a sort of unrealistic, temporary, short-term thing usually because um, if you do have a long-term relationship with somebody, that kind of non-passionate stuff does have to creep in. There's no way of avoiding it. That's true. Well, that's one reason too why with clients I suggest, you know, keep, keep all of that kind of stuff out of your bedroom. Make that a... a right. You know, don't don't even talk about that kind of stuff in the bedroom. So, you know, because in, in some ways, uh, and I know Esther Perel talks about this and um, Dan Savage talks about this, the, the sort of paradox between um, passion and security, that they are in some way, you know, the security of a long-term marriage versus the passion of a great sex life. Um, are those two items compatible? Not necessarily. They, you can work on it, but um, they're not necessarily always compatible. Yep. But, okay. you know, I would say also say that um, 
you can do it. You can keep the passion going. If, you, if both partners really want to do it, if both partners truly love each other and care about each other, then that's, that's going to keep you, to, that'll keep you together and that'll keep the spark going. Because um, to give you another example of a very successful marriage that I've come across, um, the lady met her husband when she was 12. And she knew right away he was the one for her. <laughs> and he was 15 years older. So that's a big gulf when you're 12. Yeah, but, really. But, you know, when she was 18, he was, uh, they were in Europe and um, he moved to the United States. And she made sure that when she was 18, she went to the United States and they ended up getting married. And fast forward 50 years later, five zero years later, they are still very happy together. Whenever you see them, they're holding hands, they're cuddling. It's amazing. So um, those matches do exist. They absolutely do exist. And Ooh. it is possible to keep the love and the passion through those decades. Yep. You do have to work at it, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's not just happily ever after. You have to work at it. That's right. That's right. But, but you know, if there is, there has to be a fundamental love and caring for the other person. Right. And sometimes that is what the problem is when people split up and when partners stray, that really they've fallen out of love with their partner. One person may have grown in, and, and changed and the other person hasn't. Um, or one person changes in a way that's negative, that doesn't really help the relationship. Those things happen too. You know something that I, I noticed, and I, it didn't dawn on me, but I, looking back, I saw a lot when I was growing up, and I didn't really comprehend it as such. But I saw people that really were married and really cared for each other, but they didn't show respect for each other. And maybe that's because of their culture and upbringing. Right. Um, and it also is, the, the, the trouble is too, is you, you also don't know what the private relationship is versus the public relationship. Because sometimes people can behave very differently in private to the way they behave in public. Right. Well, and, and people that, that, I was actually around them at home and saw more of the, what went Private. on. Yeah. 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 And, and that's where I, I saw that, how they actually treated each other when, you know, they weren't out in public. And like I said, I, I saw things that bothered me when I saw it and I didn't really, as a kid, I didn't realize why. But now that I've, you know, gotten into doing the kind of stuff I do now and, and, see relationships in, in a whole different level, you know. It's like, oh, wait a second. That's that's what it was, you know. So it's, you know, seeing things in a whole different light now. Yeah, and so. it's not necessarily uh, right. I mean, often it's the case where the husband doesn't show an awful lot of respect to the wife and expects her to be um, 
ministering to him, uh, okay. multitasking, dropping whatever she's doing to just do whatever he needs right then. That's a common thing and, and not really having respect for what she's done and not really seeming to appreciate the time and effort of, of, of whatever she has done for him. That's a common story and not valuing her opinions, um, particularly going uh, older people, you know, the, the previous generation, that was a, a common story because there were very different attitudes towards women these da those days, um, which <laughs> thankfully are changing. Some some still have that, unfortunately. Oh yeah, yeah, <clears throat> yeah. I'm not going to go there. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, everybody. Um, if you set your rules, if you set the ground rules, then um, then you find that you can be treated the way you want to be treated. The trouble is, if it's been going on for a long time, then that becomes the standard operating practice. Um, right. But you can always set your own rules at the beginning of a relationship or, uh, and make it quite clear. If somebody's doing something that you do not particularly like or want, you can just make it clear. Uh, and sometimes that's a, a message that that particular relationship may not be the right one for you anyway. But, you know, I Very think good. clarity is so important because clarity is important and also understanding that in many ways men and women do speak a totally different language. And yeah. uh, a lot of people yes. don't really understand it. Um, I've, I read, you know, that book, and I can't remember who the authors are, but he's, he's Not That Into You, I think is the title, or, and they also wrote another book. Um, it's called A Breakup Because It's Broken, um, and I, I'm trying, but anyway, it, you could find it just from the title. But some of the, when they talk about the difference in, in communication style, it just seems so obvious. When, when um, uh, the guy, I think his name is Greg, Bearite or something like that who wrote the, the first book um, about um, how a woman would know if a guy isn't really into you. And it really is pretty obvious when he lays it out, but we don't seem to understand that at the time. And I, I could see it in my relationship with my ex who claimed he, was, he still loved me the same way as he did before, but the way that he acted showed that he just wasn't that into me. You know, if you're really into somebody, you make it, you, it's obvious. You really, it's obvious. You, you can't miss it. Um, and did you, did and we don't want to see those messages. Uh, and equally with women, women don't necessarily, they confuse men because they don't go for clarity. They say, oh, no, you don't have to do that. Don't worry about that. And what they're really saying is, yes, I really would like it if you did that for me. Or, you know, take, um, if you've, when you've got a moment, take the garbage out. What that really means is, please take it out right now. <laughs> you know, um, just as, just as an example. So, so there is that sort of um, uh, disconnect sometimes between communication between men and women because because they do communicate in very different ways, uh, and very clarity nice. is so important. So, what are some tips for somebody to decide whether to stay or to go? Well, in some ways, you do know in your heart, and you may you know in your gut, and you may or not you may not want to listen to your gut. Is this person yeah. making you happy? Are there more pros than cons? Do you love them so much that you are willing to share them with somebody else if they do want an open relationship, or is that something that you know that it is going to make you more and more unhappy? Um, and Generally, um, if, say, the person is no longer being unfaithful, if they've given up the partner, 
Um, you've got, a, if you both want to be together, you really have a good shot at, at doing that. Um, but you have to really want it. And sometimes, ironically, sometimes you don't realize the flaws in your relationship until you're actually out of it and viewing it from the outside. Um, but generally speaking, um, if you feel that this person is not making you happy, if you feel that there are not enough good points versus bad points in their, in their character, then it's time to move on. It's absolutely time to move on. However, one thing that I would caution is not making a snap decision on the basis of that roller coaster of, of emotions. Um, I really took my time to decide what to do, especially since um, shortly after I was getting um, the cancer diagnosis for the second time, because I have one of those uh, BRCA genes. Nice little gift from my ancestors. Um, but anyway, um, I would say that it's not a, a snap decision, because decisions made in the heat of the moment tend to be wrong. Um, often and and there's so many cases I've heard where there was a, a one-off case of infidelity um, the wife finds out about it she's absolutely furious and immediately starts divorce proceedings moves out starts divorce proceedings that is that that's it and you know they realize later on that maybe they would have been better staying together it was just um, an aberration in their relationship and they did truly love each other but once you've made that kind of snap decision it's very hard to get back from it. So I would really caution taking the time to feel on an even keel before you make those kinds of major decisions. I mean, you can, be se you can live separate lives for a little bit and see whether you really do want to be together or not. You can go to counseling. You can um, uh, just, just look at what your life is doing. And I would say that what I did was... To, you know, to stop. I stopped, breathed. If I had to make a major decision, I was always asking myself, is this good for my own long-term best interests? Is this good for my own long-term best interests? Because immediately after infidelity, there's this horrible tendency to get into the revenge blame game. And revenge is toxic and hurts you as much as the other person. It really doesn't serve you. I heard some amazing revenge stories which make people laugh. Um, I think the classic one that people tend to really enjoy when I'm uh, talking about these things is a guy who was, he was a contractor. He was so angry about his wife's infidelity that he filled her car with cement. And it's a, it's a great story. But where does a couple go from there? Definitely not reconciliation and more likely than not an expensive acrimonious divorce. So that's the, that's the trap. The trap is to get stuck in revenge and blame because revenge and blame is not a good place to be to make a, uh, the best decision of how to move forward. It really isn't. Um, and uh, I, I learned that for me the best revenge was to get past the need for it. Viscerally, that's what I learned. And it's absolutely key to being able to make good decisions to understand that. That's true. So how, how can a person reclaim their sex life after infidelity? I think part of it is that 
six-part plan that I mentioned, you know, confidants and mentors, finding a, your, your tribe, cultivating existing and new connections, laughter therapy, loving your body and becoming beautiful, finding your passion and being more of a hedonist and living more in the present. That allows you to feel more complete on your own, to get off that emotional roller coaster that can impact your sex life. Because you need to, to learn how to, to, to feel beautiful again. Because if, say, um, I'll give you one very um, stark example. For my, my ex, compliments about my appearance were as rare as, as polar bears in the tropics. Okay? <laughs> he just wasn't that kind of guy didn't mean that he you know was mean that just was his his operating uh, procedure he just didn't that's not what he did um, but certainly after I found out about his infidelity it particularly because it was with a woman that was half his age and, and way younger than me um, it made me feel old and ugly how could it not um, and then I started dating um, a, a lovely man that I used to work with when I was working for the BBC in London. Uh, one of the, the friends that I reconnected with in my um, plan to rebuild my community. And he was always giving me compliments and I felt way more attractive. I felt really quite attractive. And it was the same body, it was the same person. With one guy I was feeling unattractive, with the other guy I was feeling attractive. But you know, really um, what I wanted to do was in my own right feel attractive, not need somebody else's approval of how I looked to feel attractive. Right. And I think right. that's, Im that's important to get to that stage. Um, and you can get to that stage. And if you feel that you have value, if you feel attractive, then the sex life um, will most likely follow. And you find that um, you're having a and, and it, it's, it's a bit of a gulf if you've had a long-term relationship and you've only had sex with that one person for many years as I as, as I, I was in that situation you know decades um, because the marriage lasted nearly 30 years uh, it, it is quite a, a jump to, to go into going to bed with somebody new you know that that's tough um, so um, but but the, but the fact is that um, you have to um, you have to believe in yourself and let yourself be wooed and and stuff starts to happen it really does and I I was surprised that actually midlife dating for me was a blast compared to how it was when I was much younger I hated absolutely hated dating when I was younger I was I looked really young for my age flat-chested I was sort of um, not very confident and if I fancied a guy I got tongue-tied I needed to have a little drink of of something you know to, to even have the Dutch courage to be able to talk to them and I didn't feel like I had an awful lot to say now because I'm you know comfort more confident in myself happier in my own skin I have no problem connecting with with people and it's it's great I, I found that uh, I was getting into friendships and relationships with people that I never would have thought would happen and and it, it, it's a blast so part of it is having the life experience believing in yourself valuing yourself and then things follow because think about it if you don't value yourself how can you expect somebody else to value you you have to value yourself and then people will the, the the relationships will follow 
And wh exactly. when you think about it as an example, if you're out, if you look at, you're at a, a party and you're looking at these guys to see who you want to date, right? And who who might might be good or bad or whatever. And there's a guy that looks really depressed and and sort of needy, and 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 then there's somebody else who's, you know, making jokes and laughing and confident and and fun. Who are you going to find more attractive? Of those two guys, it's sort of obvious. <laughs> right. Right. And you do not want to be the sort of um, needy one. And and if you're talking to a new person, going on and on about how dreadful your part, previous partner was, and and uh, you know. You have to move on. You have to. You have to um, enjoy the new, enjoy the present, and not not churn the past. That's my view. That's it. All right. How can the listeners find out more about you? What's your website? Yes. Well, my website is adulteresswife.com and it's a terrible name for a website because <laughs> nobody can spell it and there's also a porn site that's spelt in a similar way <laughs> so I'm not going to change it because it goes with my book Adulterer's Wife How to Thrive Whether You Stay or Not which you can get on Amazon um, as an ebook, and you can buy it as a print copy through my website um, but I also have a free mini ebook called Overcoming Infidelity Tools to Tame the Roller Coaster of Negative Emotions. And that's also available through my website. But I have a nice easy URL that gets you straight through to that page. And that is cjauthor.com. cjauthor.com. No problem spelling that one. Um, that's how I solved the, the, the issue that uh, I don't have to spell out adulteresswife.com, but that, that is my main website. You can also um, follow me on Instagram, CJ Grace Author, and you can join me um, on Clubhouse, where I've got my uh, Overcoming Infidelity Club, and my uh, Clubhouse name is just CJ Grace. So that's, uh, that's how you get in touch. The easiest way is just go to go to cjauthor.com. That'll get my free PDF that you can get, you can have, and also it'll provide a link to the chocolate mindfulness exercise that I do write about in the free PDF. So if you're a chocoholic like me, uh, you should uh, check it out. And so just go along to my website, cjauthor.com, gets you to where you need to go. Uh, chocolate. <laughs> um, I. See, I'm hungry when you're talking about chocolate again. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and there is hope after infidelity. And, uh, you know, as I said, don't feel, imagine how things could be six months from now, a year from now. That's it. It's going to exactly. be better. It's going to be better. Exactly. So, well, like I said, if, if you had decided to stay, you would not be the confident person you are right now. You could be very unhappy. So I'm just saying. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. Thank you very much for being with me today, CJ. Nikki, it was a pleasure. And I'm, I'm hoping that the, the listeners enjoyed it and got good information. And listeners, I will be with you next time on Ready for Love Radio. 